Hello and welcome. I'm Uri, and you're listening to Talking Tachlis, the podcast where we talk about Jewish life and life in general. My guest today is Ira Mosin, and he is the author of the new book, First Among Nations. Ira Mosin is a physician who is also an avid reader. He was born and raised on the East Coast of the United States and received his medical training in an Ivy League institution. Once he completed his residency and fellowship, he joined a successful private medical practice in the Midwest. After working there for nearly 15 years, he fulfilled his lifelong dream and moved with his family to Israel in 2018. Dr. Mosin currently works at a health clinic in central Israel, which provides high-quality medical care to Israelis of all backgrounds and religions at low cost. Throughout his interactions with a diverse population of Israelis, he has observed an Israel that is markedly different from the one often portrayed in the media, with much grassroots desire for peaceful coexistence. These experiences inspired him to write his debut novel, First Among Nations. So, Dr. Mosin, Ira, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Ari. So why don't we start by, uh, you know, you're not an author by trade. This is your first book. What was the inspiration for this book? That's a great question. So um, twofold. One is my first year of Aliyah after moving to Israel. I, um, I continued to work in the States. I commuted every month. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that uh, I worked that for a week. So it was pretty difficult. But I have to be honest, um, being away from the kids uh, for a week uh, every month is, isn't so bad after all. But anyway, <laughs> um, but it, during that week, obviously, I, I had less child-rearing uh, responsibilities. And it was, it was a lot of downtime on airplanes and airports and also to save money, I usually would stop in Europe. Uh, ironically, mm-hmm. I stopped in Germany, typically, mm. um, Frankfurt or Munich. And uh, it was just a lot of downtime in airports and airplanes. And I just had a tremendous amount of time on my hands. So, um, you know, I tried to learn some Torah, Dafyomi, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it, there's only so far I could go with that. And and I, um, you know, that that sort of dovetailed with, with what I was experiencing in Israel. And that is, as you mentioned in the, in, in the intro, um, a lot of this is, of course, sort of my perspective of things, and other people may have different perspectives. But um, my my perspective of Israel is 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 uh, the way it's portrayed in the media. Anyway, was was pretty negative, uh, the portrayal anyway, and it actually filters down um, even I think even to Jews and even Orthodox Jews. Mm-hmm. Um, and just an example, like when I was still, you know, when you're living in, in America and you're you're about to go on a trip to Israel, there's a little bit, a little bit of like um, a not really. F- the fear, but like, like, you're not sure what 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 it's like, and like you haven't been there in a while. When you, when you finally get there, and you're like, hey, this, you know, you see the palm trees at, at the airport, and like, there's highways, and it just looks like a regular, normal. I just, like, there's a certain. I know like, what you mean. Yeah. You know, like, and like, especially if there's a conflict or if there's war, there's like your heart skips a beat, and you're like a little nervous. What am I going? What am I getting into? And it's just like the the, the whole the whole way Israel is portrayed in the media is it's really negative, and it filters down, like I said, even to even to people who are pro-Israel Zionists, etc. So, and then living living here, I, I just experienced a different Israel um, entirely, and um, and so that this these different and I can go through some of the experiences specifically mm-hmm. that I've had. Um, but that really inspired me to, to put my thoughts down. I thought of maybe writing a blog, which incidentally, I, I might be writing one in Times of Israel's. Um, but I thought maybe a novel would be a, an appropriate way to, to, you know, to, to express my thoughts. It co- mm-hmm. Incidentally, my wife's a psychiatrist, and I found that writing fiction is extremely therapeutic. So, mm. <laughs> so if you want to... Uh, save uh, uh, money on Prozac, just start, start try writing a novel. It's actually, it's very, a very therapeutic exercise to put your thoughts down and 
build characters, etc. So uh-huh. my initial impetus really was to portray, just to give a, a more, what I thought a more accurate portrayal of, of Israel. Mm-hmm. And it evolved, honestly, as we, you know, through our, you know, the interview today, we can, we can explore this a little bit more. But um, my objectives evolved somewhat as I, you know, wrote the book. Originally, it was just a short story, and it sort of grew into a novella, I guess. And then as I developed it more and more into a full-length novel, uh, some of my, um, I had different experiences, of course, that, you know, influenced my writing. And um, some of my my objectives uh, didn't change, but I, I had an addi- additional um, objectives in, in writing the book. Mm-hmm. Well, so you're saying how the, you know, your main impetus and the main message you want to get across is the message about Israel. And I want to get to that. I want to get more to more of the process. But the superficial, at least, story is like a sports story, basically, revolves around soccer. Are you are you a big sports fan? So truthfully, ever since I started medical school, <laughs> I have not had a whole lot of time for sports. But as a kid, I was a very big sports fan. Mm-hmm. Not soccer, actually, big football fan. But there's, of course, a lot of... Um, uh, similarities and we're a big baseball fan mostly baseball and football and football um and now you know raising a family and all that i've very limited time for uh, for uh, sports uh whether participating in it or or uh, as as an observer um but uh yeah, the fact i mean the fact that the, it's about soccer is really um somewhat inconsequential i mean i guess it is at, at some level a sports novel um and this was important because in terms of marketing the book who who's my audience right well, that was one of my questions yeah, yeah we can well, get to that one now who, who is your audience <laughs> right uh, so uh, you want, i can address that now yeah go um, for it yeah sure so uh, there's really two somewhat different my, my target audience in terms of who i really want to read this book uh is really young like college age Jews, mostly, or even non-Jews, um, but college age or even high school, actually. At one point, I was going to uh, publish it as a, as a young adult novel. Mm-hmm. Um, in hindsight, maybe I should have, um, because I, 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 um, just in terms of submitting it for different awards, um, mm. contests, etc., there's some advantages to that. But anyway, um, that's behind me. Um, and so, you know, it's just, I guess, uh, your college age um Jewish student who is starting to question uh, their commitment to the state of Israel. That, that was really, you know, very specifically a target audience. Uh, now, I recognize that it's very, it's a very difficult audience to reach on, on a number of levels. First yeah. of all, I'm, I'm clearly not hip or cool enough, or whatever. <laughs> even like terminology, you know, you know, middle-aged guy named Ira is not, it's not exactly who's going to that crowd. But, um, but also, people are very set in their ways, and it's, it's, it's kind of hard to. Um, you know, it's 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 very hard to to persuade people, but right. but anyway, that's really who I want. I might in, in an ideal world, who I really want to reach, who I really want them mm-hmm. to. And, and this is reflected in the book clearly. You know, one of the characters in particular, Tikva, is sort of like the target audience, or the, really this this Tikva is like um, this girl that she describes. We never actually meet this other character um, that she describes in the book, but a girl that she knew from from her childhood and that she mm-hmm. met in college again. Uh, that would be my 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 target audience. But in terms of marketing the book, you know, college age kids are not they don't really buy a lot of books. The, the main mm-hmm. people who buy books are are women aged thirty to sixty. So in terms <laughs> of designing the cover or whatever, like we had that in mind. Like for example, we we had a big debate myself. We I mean myself and my book coach and the um and the book designer, uh-huh. um, whether to put a soccer ball on the cover. Uh-huh. Like originally, one of the original motifs that we thought it was to have a soccer ball, uh, but instead of having um, hexagons, would be stars with David. It's something like uh, that. Interesting. And um, and it was 
really, I, I was advised not to do that because it was thought that it would, it, would, it would really, since the bulk of books are bought by women age 30 to 60, a soccer ball would really basically be a, a red, you know, like a too much like sports would, stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. And when I say like it's so this, the soccer is inconsequential, it really is. I mean, the story is really it's a coming of age story about the, the right. protagonists and how they develop. And it's about it's about Zionism and it's about anti-Semitism. And I could have honestly could have been about ping pong. It could have been about mm-hmm. could have been a chess tournament. It could have been about not a tournament at all. You know, but I just use soccer. Uh, as a motif, as basically as a platform with which right. I could develop the various themes. Yeah, yeah no, I, I read the book also, by the way, and I, I really enjoyed it. And also another theme that, that you didn't mention specifically, it's also about the interactions between the Jewish communities in Israel and some of the tensions with the ultra-Orthodox. Absolutely, and, 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 and the tensions a little bit between um, the Jews in the diaspora and the Jews of Israel. Right. But for right. sure, Jews within Israel, definitely. Mm-hmm. I, Touches you know, on a lot. Two of the main characters, one of them, the main protagonist, um, is kind of like sort of like in, in, in like Shtisel or unorthodox, someone who was who grew up in this very insular community in Meisharim and left right. that community, and his best friend from the army is um, is a Chiloni, is, is a secular Jew from a kibbutz. Um, so obviously that that relationship I I, I tried to develop somewhat, and of course yeah. as we'll, we'll discuss further, J- Jewish Arab relations is is very big, and that's really when I said that my my objective sort of evolved as I wrote the book. Um, that was a big part of the, the evolution of, of mm. my objectives in terms of adding in the Jewish Arab. Cool. Yeah. I mean, so I guess jumping around a little bit, I'm very curious um, to hear some of your personal experiences in Israel, maybe as a physician or or in general, of uh, kind of like interactions with uh, Muslims and Palestinians and what that's been like. Sure, sure. I could share with you a couple of stories. Gladly. So one that happened, actually, it's almost two years to the day. It was It was right before... Passover before Pesach. I'm assuming your audience um, is pretty bilingual. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll stick to the Hebrew Pesach. And, and I was picking up a prescription. I actually wrote this up as a blog on my website, and I ended up, like I said, publishing it as a blog on mm-hmm. Times of Israel as well. I called it um, The Pharmacist, The Hijab, and The Smile. That's the, uh, Anyway, um, it's a true story. So I, I was going to pick, pick up a prescription from the pharmacy. And one of the unique demographic realities here in Israel is that um, uh, pe- people, it's uh, uh, you know, people who can live within their community, unless they leave it, unless they leave for work or for or for you know any other specific reason, you you really may not interact with people. You, the people you interact with it could be pretty similar to yourself. Yeah, they're in a bubble. In a Sephardi community, it's very much a bubble. Um, but there's one major exception to that, and that is the pharmacy. Because for whatever mm-hmm. reason, and there are reasons for this, even though the majority, eighty percent of Israelis are Jews, um, the majority of pharmacists are are Arabs. Hmm. Didn't know that. Um, so, and they work in the community, every community. You could be in the middle of the most Haredi, you know, Meya Sharim. It's very likely that one of the pharmacists in the local, you know, Kupat Cholim pharmacy will be an Arab. Huh. Um, so Jews, even, you know, insul- insulated Jews in these in these cloistered communities are constantly interacting, you know, assuming you, you have any need to go to a pharmacist. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I was going to pick up a prescription and... Um, like I said, it was a couple of days before Pesach, before Passover, and uh, I showed her my prescription, and she was very kind. She was a woman wearing a hijab, so she was obviously a uh, a religious Muslim, mm-hmm. and she smiled at me. She looked at me. She spoke a fluent Hebrew. She was very sweet, really, very, uh, really. Um, it was a very good interaction, and she took my prescription, and then she gave me the the medicine, and then right as I was about to take it from her, she pulled it away from me, and I I recoiled a little bit, like what was that all mm-hmm. about? And she said, "Oh, I know your holiday is." is coming up in a couple of days from now and you're not allowed to eat leavened foods, chametz, 
let me check if this is chametz. So mm. like, I, honestly, I mean, I'm a pretty learned guy, and I didn't it didn't even occur to me because I'm like, well, I'm not eating it. I'm just gonna swallow it. But she she sure enough, she had a directory there. She looked it up, and she like she had a puzzled look on her face. She went to the back room, rummaged around for a while, came back a minute later with another um, with the same medication from a different manufacturer, and and said really with a smile on her face here this is certified kosher for passover wow and what what that you know what that said to me is what not even what she said but just just really the way she, she said it and the way she smiled that's why i call it the pharmacist the hijab and the smile is that she was basically telling me in not so many words that we have a lot of differences we we do and um but we have a lot in common as well and and she chose to focus on her commonalities on her common humanity mm-hmm. and to me it really that it wasn't only that story but it was just many similar interactions that made me realize that yeah there's a lot of hatred it's a lot of conflict but really like i said on the grassroots level as you said in the interact in the introduction there's a lot of um there is a lot of desire for peaceful coexistence mm-hmm. and i could share with you stories as, as um you know as a doctor many i mean many of my i, I live in bet um which is um kind of midway between jerusalem and, and tel aviv and there's a lot of arab communities uh, some of them actual like I guess you call Palestinian communities like in, in Jerusalem and some of them are real Israeli Arabs that because of whatever, just the the, the, the uh, uh, geography, they come to me. I'm a kidney specialist. They come to me. Mm-hmm. So um, it was one particular, and I wrote this up as a blog as well. I've had many similar kinds of interactions. This one in particular I, I found particularly um, you know, worthwhile to publish. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an elderly woman who came. She lived. She came with her. She didn't speak any Hebrew, but she came together with her son or daughter. I forget exactly the present time. Who are you know, fluent in English, but heavily accented um, um, Hebrew rather. And um, they came from a neighborhood in Jerusalem that honestly I wouldn't feel comfortable driving in, mm-hmm. uh, being and walking in. It's just not a place where Jews generally feel safe. The fact that they felt perfectly safe in Beit Shemesh speaks mm-hmm. volumes, but whatever. Um, anyway, uh, she came to me. She was referred to me because she had an, a change in her kidney function, what we call mm-hmm. in my field acute renal failure or acute kidney failure. And I was going, taking a history from not so much from her, but from her, her kids. And it turns out that her kidney function really changed over Ramadan. Oh, so when was Ramadan mm-hmm. this year or last year? And, and she takes several medicines, which are in a category called diuretics. Basically, they make you urinate more. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're used to control uh, blood pressure. They're used to control um, heart failure and other conditions. And she takes several of these medications and she continued to take them during Ramadan. And she fast during Ramadan, even though mm. she's like 90 years old. So I told her, you know something, I think what happened is you got your, so you draw, you know, basically you dehydrated, you know, um, somewhat during Ramadan. And sure enough, I asked some questions. She was feeling lightheaded and dizzy, et cetera. And I told her, you know, in the future, you know, if you, if you choose to fast during Ramadan, please don't take these pills. Mm. Anyway, her kidney function did improve. And I could say that she's like my biggest fan. This, <laughs> this elderly Muslim woman from this neighborhood where I, I wouldn't feel safe walking and her children are, are, are big fans of mine as well. I mean, I'm not here to honk my horn, but the point is that like medicine in some ways, like the great equalizer. Right. Really, right. Hospitals. Really is. Yeah. And you know, just like hospitals, you mentioned this. So I, I, I did my, what's called a histakut, which is um, an observation period. I'm not sure if they're observing me or I'm observing them, but I did a lot of observing of them during this three month. And I worked here. I worked at, at Sha'ar Tzedek, which is a hospital in Jerusalem. And a lot of the patients, it's really, it's really a mix. There's a lot of uh, Arab patients, a lot of, Jewish patients of all variety from Haredi to Chiloni to Datilumi, if, if your listeners understand the, the subtleties there. Mm-hmm. And um, 
and not just the patients, but the staff. And it's 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 not just possible. It's it's the it's a hundred percent of the the time. You have a team. If you've ever been in any hospital in, in Manhattan, anywhere, you see the teams walking around. There's an attending physician, and there's right. the senior residents, and the interns, and medical students, and they kind of all interact. And it's a very generally a pretty um, congenial kind of meeting. And there's laughter, and 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 there's teaching, and there's and they go from room to room meeting the patients and. As they say, this is what I experience every day. You see an attending who might be a Haredi with a big black uh, yarmulke, or he might be an Arab, or he might be, and the various members of the team. It's it's very heterogeneous, very diverse, and you just look. Of course, this isn't you know it's it's sort of easy to, to you know to 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 be friendly in that kind of atmosphere. But it, it's like it maybe makes like the medicines and is the great equalizer. But I, I witnessed this daily as I was working in the hospital that there was it just gives a, a certain opportunity or a platform for coexistence and maybe, yeah. I don't know, a model, at least something that could inspire us to give us a little bit of a, a little bit of a glimmer of hope. Right. For sure. Yeah. I think that's sort of like human psychology is that people and groups need an other and they need an enemy almost. Mm-hmm. And so when there is a common enemy, groups that would otherwise have been enemies themselves can join together to fight that common enemy. So in a hospital, the disease is the common right. enemy or right. like COVID-19 could be the common enemy. That could be a right. reason why. I remember you know. a movie from when I was a kid. I have no recollection. It was one of these like B movies. It was definitely uh-huh. not, uh, you know, a Steven Spielberg uh, production, <laughs> but it was some like, you know, outer space, like right. alien attacking Earth. And I remember there was a specifically a scene where they had Israelis and Arabs oh. <laughs> together to like coordinating their efforts because they needed right. to get together to the defeat common enemy. the common enemy. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah, so that's, I, that's very interesting. So, I mean, back to the book. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, those stories were very inspiring. I, I, I definitely appreciate hearing that. Um, what has the reception been? Do you think you've reached... Um, anybody, let's say, outside of of your bubble? Well, the book was it's pretty hot off the press, so you know, it's still mm-hmm. I still have a lot of publicity to do. So um, I can't really say yet. I have to send that another press release, and uh, I'm sort of waiting because I was waiting. You know, the way the the books book publishing, where I publish it independently, also, mm-hmm. which is, puts me at a big disadvantage because I don't get any of the marketing muscle that a you know right. a major publishing house would give, and there's if you want to go there there's a whole discussion as to why i chose to to um mm-hmm. to um publish independently um but anyway so, so i'm still waiting I, I had to first publish the book and then get reviewed by publishers weekly which i don't know they gave me a fantastic review and midwest book mm-hmm. review gave me a fantastic yeah, we'll, review we'll include links to some of those reviews yeah definitely oh great and i just was recently um uh, i was awarded a finalist in this in this what's called the eric hoffer a uh, book award so um cool so I, yeah so now that i'm sort of getting these these kudos I'm, I'm gonna now i have the opportunity to market the book so hopefully mm-hmm. the sales um you know will start picking up but um I, i've had only really only fantastic um reception um but again um who's reading the book it, it's it's right. sort of a, it's it's very much a self-selected group people are reading right. it because they're interested in in israel no, they're already on board Right. And, you know, unlike a, like a, a video that goes viral where there's no effort like to, to click on a video, it doesn't cost you any money, it doesn't take any right. time or effort to buy a book. You have to be willing to like order it and like read it and shell out 17 bucks free <laughs> shipping. You know, it's like it's, it's so it's it's you it's very select. You're really going to get only people who, you know, who already and they read about it of course they read they they read the reviews they read the the synopsis of the book so 
only people who really want to, you know, if I, there was a, a novel out there about, you know, about, you know, some Palestinian and his, his I don't know, conquest of Israel. No Zionist would want to read that book. Right. So, so well, I, I probably I would for, actually, to be honest, but yeah, fine, not, no, I, 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 should, I should, obviously you, you can't. Well, the, can't yeah, no, because so, so I think it's a question of exposure and people might just not know about it, but there are people like me and others who mm. are sometimes a little bit bored, to be honest, by just preaching to the choir and hearing things that you already agree with. I'm more interested in hearing something that I don't agree sure. with to well, see what's is, out I, and there. I did, I, and that's um, and part of my book, which I think may have rubbed people a little bit the wrong. There's several areas in my book which might have rubbed people the wrong way, um, uh, but part of it is is the Arab-Israeli interaction. You know, as mm-hmm. as you know, since you read the book, that um, one of the really probably the second main protagonist of the book is an Arab, Haji, mm-hmm. and um, he and his interaction with what his community is, is very important, how he develops, um, how he evolves, how his character evolves, how he views the state of Israel, how he views soldiers, how he views Zar, the, the main character who is a soldier. Mm-hmm. But, but actually, but I had only, really only good, um, it's really had only good good reception. Yeah. You, um, you, you mentioned before we started recording that you just did an interesting interview actually outside of the Jewish world. I don't know if, do you, do you want to talk about that at all? Yeah, sure. I was interviewed by um, a tradi- like a, by a black uh, radio station in uh, the south uh, at a black university, and uh, it was an interesting conversation because obviously they're coming from a, somewhat of a different perspective. Um, uh, How did they but, f- find out about you? Do you know? You know, I mean, I sent out one press release right when the uh. book was published, so mm-hmm. I mean, that was really hot off the press there was no 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 buyers yet no readers yet because it was literally the day it was released mm-hmm. actually even before it was released because there's a publication date and a release date which the publication date is like two two weeks before the release mm-hmm. date so so um anyway they they knew about it. i have a publicist uh who they whom they contacted and mm-hmm. um yeah so yeah i, I mean I'm, I'm curious to see if i i get any i don't even i don't know if i have the ability to track if i get any sales from that um i could look mm-hmm. at it if it uptick in sales after the interview, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't know uh, where the sales were coming from. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, so so getting back to the book, and you know, we're talking about um, cooperation and and different groups in Israel getting along. There is um there's a subplot in the book of um wh- what is it? Is it Haji, the the Arab guy with um a Jewish girl, and they kind of have like a romantic thing with each other. Um, you know, so how much cooperation are you are you calling for here? <laughs> You know that's a really, really great question, Uri. Um, yeah, so just to enlighten uh, your listeners who, who probably haven't read the book, so Haji, who's one of the main characters of the book, he he lives in a village which is very close, an, an Arab-Israeli village on the you know the Israeli side of the Green Line, but very close to the border, and he had this uh, tendency to uh, go to the to the checkpoint and interact with the soldiers, and at one point he actually interacts with a female soldier there named Adin, a Jewish soldier, um, uh, and he falls in love with her. Uh, it's not clear from the book uh, whether she loved him. It's actually sort of becomes clear later that she didn't. Um, um, she was significantly older than him also, it seems. But um, it, that subplot does touch upon, you know, sort of a raw nerve. And that, that's the, the almost the impossibility of having uh, um, coexistence, cooperation without, you know, the double-edged sword is, is um, I, I, I oppose intermarriage and interfaith mm-hmm. dating. And, um, and, but, you know, but if we're having this coexistence and, and friendships and w- won't it lead to that? So, you know, it, it's a difficult, it's a difficult question. Very difficult to find the, um, you know, the, the right balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm just, I mean, I guess my point is that, but we don't have to date or even have, you know, uh, 
co-faith, you know, um, youth groups or anything like that. Just to have, just to have basically to recognize the humanity of the other side, and and, um, and that we could just have more, a more, you know, I guess, empathic relationship and a more, um, a, you know, more uh, cooperative. Especially for the in terms of the Palestinians, that's a, that's a much more challenging question. But I'm referring more to the uh, Israeli Arabs who are citizens and live within Israel, uh-huh. and work in Israel, and they're part and parcel. I mean, nobody, I don't care how far right someone is on the religious on the on the spectrum. I guess sort of you know a follower of Mayor Kahana. But anybody, I mean, this is this is the reality here. You're not just your pharmacist, but very likely the doc, my doctors that I work with that I refer patients to that refer patients to me. The nurses, I mean, just it's a there's a lot of coexistence that's already happening here in Israel, and we just recognize that. And, and I, I want to broadcast that to the world that this coexistence does exist. And I think we, as Jews in Israel, can play our part by just it's in everybody's interest to have less tension and more cooperation, right? right. Is it a double edged sword? There's a famous again, I don't know how, how learned your, your, your listenership is, but there's a there's a verse in in, uh, in the Bible, uh. Where Jacob uh, prays to be saved, as he can encounter his his arch enemy, his brother Esav, Esau, and he says, "Save me for my brother from Esav." And and famously, the Beit Halevi um, said that um, you know sometimes Achi, our brother, could be a more dangerous adversary than mm-hmm. Esav. And mm-hmm. you know it's true. It's true. This is this is you know look, Israel is a complex place, and the society is very complex. But then again. America's got a pretty complex uh, mm-hmm. society as well. So uh, complexity is not unique. And that's really, if I would say, what is the one underlying theme of the entire book? And that is that um, life is not black and white. It's, it's full of grays. Right. And, and um, you know, you look at um, um, Zar, the main character, his father, who's this very, very fun, you know, religious, fundamental, ultra-Orthodox. He dre- just his pattern of dress. It's all black and white mm-hmm. and and um and that's the way he sees the world and as mm-hmm. haji matures and as his personality develops over time he starts to realize that there's more than black and white but the world is is shades of gray mm-hmm. so um yeah very well said yeah I, I agree i think the book does touch on and embrace a lot of the the nuance of of many of these tensions and conflicts and just like raises things to think about and to to um, discuss further. So so thanks for writing it and thanks for coming on the show. Thank I found you. this conversation to be very interesting and good luck with uh, with the book. I hope it really gets out there. Thank you, and, uh, Thank you. It's your target my audience. pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you again to Ira, and check out his book, First Among Nations. And thanks to all of you for listening. We'd love to hear your feedback about this episode or anything else. And you can do that on our Facebook page, Talking Tachlis Podcast, or you can email us, talkingtachlispodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, as always, to Drive In Productions. They are the sponsor of this week's episode. And thank you to Triple Threat Trio featuring Rage Brigade. They are the official band of Talking Tachlis. Happy Pesach and Zagazoom.